the thief comes to only steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus said, I have come that you might have life, everyone say life, that you might have life and that you might have it to its full. Notice, Jesus wants you and I to live a life that is to the full. He has, he has a life in mind for you. Isn't that cool? He has a life in mind for you. And if you read Jeremiah 29, 11, you'll see what that life looks like. For I know the plans that I have for you, Mark, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, right? Plans to give you a hope in the future. That's the life of God that he wants for you. But so many times we buy into the whole idea that the enemy, the thief, the devil tries to come and steal, kill, and destroy. So that's why we've been talking about this whole deal that, that silence in the voices that destroy us or quiet the riot. And so this whole series has really been about silencing or the words that come out of our mouth. We could say it that way. The words that come out of our mouth. I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 19 and verse 4. It's not in your notes, but it'll appear on the screen. Um, Psalm 19:4. check this out. May the words of my, what? May the words of my, come on, say it with me, my what? Mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord. Notice there's things that we can say and things that we can meditate on that are not acceptable to him, right? If, if the psalmist is saying, may the words of my mouth, in other words, will you teach me your ways? Will you train me how to put my mouth and my heart in check? Now notice how connected our mouth and our heart is. As a matter of fact, did you know that's how we actually get saved? We believe in our heart and we what? Confess with our what? Mouth that Jesus is Lord. And so the Bible tells us as we do that, the heart connected to the mouth brings salvation because we believe in our heart Jesus Christ died for us and we confess with our mouth that he was raised from the dead. The Bible says we will be saved. Now, so always remember, always remember, now we talked about this last week, that if you want to change your output, you have to change your what? Input. So, you know, I remember I used to try and, you know, just say, you know, every time I'd say something, it was wrong, you know, and, and, you know, what's wrong with me? And I found out that the Bible tells me how to change my mouth. The Bible says out of the abundance of the, what? Heart, once again, out of the abundance of the, we talked about this last week, if you weren't here, go back and listen to that. Out of the abundance of the heart, the, what? Mouth speaks. The mouth speaks. So whatever's in your heart's going to come out. And we're going to talk more about that today and um, hopefully wrap this up. We're going to talk about several different voices in the crowd. And we're going to pull a bunch of them out today rather than just one or two. We're going to pull a bunch of them out in just a minute. But the Proverbs also says in, in Proverbs 18:21, the tongue, once again the mouth, has the power of life and death. Notice. It has the power of life and death. And, and we said last week that we are literally building or framing our life with the words of our mouth. Think about that. And so always remember that you can't create life with deadly words. It, it just won't happen. If you constantly are speaking deadly words or death seeds, if you will, 
or destructive seeds or destructive words that you'll never really truly experience the life that Jesus said, I've come to give you, right? The life to the full. And so always remember our life follows our words. Wherever your words are, you know, speaking, that's typically where your life is going to go. And, and we've been looking at this foundational text in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It's the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was three words, formless, it was empty, and it was dark. Those three words, formless, empty, and dark. It was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering. Notice the Holy Spirit. Um, the Bible tells us that there is a Spirit, right? Um, there's God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, right? So the Spirit was hovering, and then all of a sudden, and nothing was happening. You got formlessness, you got emptiness, and you got darkness was covering the face of the earth. And all of a sudden, God said, and when God said something, the Holy Spirit responded. Amen? The Holy Spirit responded. He said, let there be light, and check it out. There was what? Light. Notice. So we, we all know that all of us go through empty sometimes and dark, perhaps. I know Lance talked about it a few weeks ago, you know, walking through the seasons, you know, desert life that, you know, are difficult seasons that we go through. But we all go through dark and empty times. But when we do, we have a choice to make. We have a choice. Are we going to dwell there or stay there and wallow in it, if you will, or are we going to say what God said? Are we going to start to learn how to speak God's Word? See, God, God, saw, God saw darkness in that verse we just read, but He said light. He saw, but He said. Everyone say that. He saw, but He said. God saw the darkness but spoke the light. So a question I have for all of us today is, are the words that we're speaking creating or destroying our world? Do you have the ability to see dark but speak light? Amen? All of us should have that ability to see, not denying its existence, the darkness and the difficulties and the obstacles and the circumstances, but, but speak something entirely different. In other words, do you have the ability to see one thing, but say another thing, say with your mouth? So we've been talking about quiet the riot. Let's define what that looks like. And sometimes the words that are spoken to us and about us create a riot in our mind. There's all sorts of confusion and voices that are swirling around in our mind. We talked about that in week one and week two, about how it won't let you sleep, it won't let you rest. There's this, there's this riot going on in the inside of us. And what did we define a riot to be? A riot is a violent disturbance of the peace of a crowd, okay? This, this, this violent disturbance of, of the peace by a crowd, the voices, this crowd of voices that may be going off inside of you and your mind and you know how it is. You lay in bed and you try to sleep or you try to focus at work and, and there's all these voices, all these voices, all these things happening that are just drowning out peace because of this riot that's going on on the inside of us. We're hearing the voice of a crowd. But here's what I found out. God's word supersedes the voice in the crowd. Amen? God's word supersedes the voices that are in the crowd. And we found out too in week one and two that our words have creative power. 
Matter of fact, look at this next scripture with me, Mark eleven twenty three. And Jesus had just cursed the fig tree, and now he was walking with his disciples, and his disciples started questioning him about, how did you do that? And he turns to his disciples and says this, for assuredly I say unto you, notice he's talking to his disciples now, whosoever says to this mountain, pointing to a mountain, speaking to it as a metaphor, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will what? He'll have whatever he says. Notice our words and the creative power behind our words. It's incredible. And so what are you saying? What if we, what if we got everything we said? <laughs> I don't know if we'd want that, right? What are you saying? What are you saying? And so we've been pulling out voices out of the crowd and shutting them up. Matter of fact, I started to call this series Shut Up, right? Um, shutting, everyone say shut up. <laughs> That's one, one time you get to say it, you know, and, and, and not get in trouble for it, right? Shut up. Learn to say shut up to the voices. Learn to say shut up to the enemy. Amen? Learn to say shut up. Don't put up telling them to shut up. Don't put up with it. So we've been pulling these voices out of the crowd. And so far, so far we pulled out this thing called lying. Lying. The vo- things that we lie about and the things that other people lie about about us. And we said that the voice that you believe determines the life you live. The voices that you believe determines the life you live. Week two, we talked about sowing seeds of discord. Number three was we talked about gossip. And so far, that's what we've talked about. Now, today, we're going to pull out several voices out of the crowd, and we're going to call them up here on the stage, and we're going to do what to them? Shut them up. That's right. We're going to shut them up. We're going to tell them. We're going to tell them what God says, right? We're going to shut those voices up. Here's the fourth Here's the fourth word that I want to give you, things that we say or do or things the enemy uses against us, the riot that's going on inside of us is excessive complaining. Now, no one is guilty of that here, I'm sure, right? Excessive complaining. As a matter of fact, some of you are probably complaining right now about the fact that I'm talking about complaining. (laughs) Like, what is he doing? (laughs) Listen, complaining is so easy, isn't it? Does anyone... Does anyone like me find it easy to complain? Huh? Uh, you, before you know it, it's just, man, 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 you know. We're complaining about everything. We, we do. We complain about everything. We complain about the food. We complain about service. We complain about the internet. We complain about, I was at the Avengers game recently, and I was complaining that they put the Spider-Man commercial. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? At the end, and I had to sit there and, for an hour and a half and watch the credits, so I got up and left. I was complaining. <laughs> Just exaggerating. That should be one of our things, right? Exaggerating. Um, so anyway, you know, it's, we, just, we find it so easy to complain. Complain, right? And, and nowadays, we, we complain about slow Wi-Fi, right? Yeah. How many of you complained about slow Wi-Fi lately? Yeah. Uh, we complain that there's no good movies on Netflix. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. I mean... When I grew up, we had three channels, and I was the remote, just so you know. (laughs) And we looked things up at the library, just so you know, okay? Yeah, so, 
you know, it's just crazy. Now, here's the tweetable moment of the day. Are you ready for this? Complaining is like bad breath. You notice it when it comes out of somebody else's mouth, but not your own. (laughs) Yeah. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, complaining, excessive complaining, right? So, a young Catholic priest decided to enter a monastery, and the head monk told him, total silence, just so you know, total silence while you're here, all right? But every 10 years, you get to say two words, all right? Just two words, only two words. After the first 10 years, the priest showed up, and he said, bed hard. Bed hard. Sleeping bed hard. Bed hard. After another 10 years, the priest said, food bad. (laughs) After another 10 years, he showed up and he said, I quit. (laughs) To which the head monk said, I knew this was going to happen. You've done nothing but complain for the last 30 years. (laughs) Complaining, right? We do nothing but complain. I read a story about the police who say Arthur Bundridge in Syracuse, New York, approached the bank teller and demanded $20,000. When he got home, he discovered that he had been shortchanged outraged, he stormed back to the bank to complain and tell them that that he couldn't stand their service, at which time he was arrested for being stupid, (laughs) not only complaining, right? See, complaints are all over the place. Complaining is part of our normal conversation. And we have more courage today because we have social media, right? I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people in this crowd right here or watching live stream about you know, the garbage that comes out on social media and all of the, you know, courage that shows up and the way people talk to each other or respond to each other. Grumbling and complaining is poison. Everyone say poison. It's poison to your life. It's poison to your community that you live in, your relationships, and it's poison to your church family. Complaining, excessive complaining complaining. I've watched it happen in churches for years. People, people embrace a negative, critical spirit and can't seem to find anything good about the church they once loved. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, they embrace something, and before you know it, they're just spewing things that they can't stand. And at one point, they, there's nothing bad they could find about their church. They just have adopted a negative, critical, complaining spirit. Listen, don't complain. Don't grumble. Don't be like the children of Israel. How many of you know they were notorious for this? All right? Yeah. But here's the problem. Complaining steals your energy and shrinks your brain. Yeah, it actually shrinks your brain. Complaining literally peels away the neurons from your brain that is responsible for intelligent and critical thought, and it literally shrinks. Yeah, it literally shrinks. Uh, The Apostle Paul, I mean, he had to deal with this. How many of you know he had some issues? He had some things happen in his life. 
Think about his, he's a church planter. He travels all over the place. One of his bucket lists is to go to Rome and preach to the leaders at Rome and impact the world. But he never gets to go to Rome as a preacher, but instead he goes as a what? Prisoner. He goes as a prisoner, not a preacher, but a prisoner. And so for two years, he is literally chained to a prison guard 24-7. But check this out. I mean, I don't know about you, but I would be complaining. <laughs> How many of you think you would do some complaining, right? I mean, everywhere you went, the bathroom, sleep, you're chained to this prison guard 24-7. You know, I would be complaining to, to God. I was promised to go to Rome as a preacher. These accommodations stink, you know, <laughs> I, all kinds of stuff. I was, I'd remind God what he promised me, and then I would complain and let him know how comfortable I was. But while, listen to me, while chained to a prison guard, the Apostle Paul wrote these words in Philippians chapter 2. Check this out. This is out of the Passion Bible, just so you know. Live a cheerful life without what? Come on, let's all say it. Without what? Without complaining. Now, now he, this guy had every reason to complain. Live a cheerful life, he says, without complaining or division among yourselves, for then you will be seen as innocent, faultless, and pure children of God, even though you live in the midst of a brutal and perverse culture. How many of you think that sounds like where we live, right? The Madison culture. For you will appear among them as shining lights in the universe. I don't know about you, but I want that to be said about me. Is anyone out there? I want, I want that to be said about me. Well, I, if that's going to happen, I've got some changing to do. Does anyone else have changing to do? Or is it just me? Just me? Okay. Just me and my wife. She's up here saying, nope. <laughs> nope, not you. Me too. Um, Dr. Travis Bradbury wrote a book called Emotional Intelligence 2.0. Yeah, there it is. And he makes three statements that I want you to capture today. He says, repeated complaining hardwires the brain to do more complaining. Then he says, the more negative you are, the more likely your brain is going to be triggered to continue to be negative. Make sense? And then he says, and this is, this is interesting, having a complaining mindset, and that's where some of our, us are at. We have a complaining mindset. Having a complaining mindset for a long period of time causes a person to enter the stage called confirmation bias. In other words, you expect something to be bad, so therefore you get what you expect. In other words, let's give, me, give you an example. I think small groups are stupid, but I'll give it a shot. <laughs> Chances are, you'll get to the small group and you'll find that it is what? Stupid. Stupid, Stupid right? I mean, the Israelites were great examples of this. I, I talked about that a moment ago, but they were the same way. They complained when they were in captivity, right? 
They complained when they were set free. <laughs> they complained when they got daily free food from God as they were wandering around in the wilderness. They complained, complained, complained. And my challenge to you today in terms of silencing the voices that destroy us is take a good look in the mirror and ask yourself this question, am I an excessive complainer? Am I setting myself up for more destruction because everything, most of the things that come out of my mouth is nothing but a complaint against someone or something? Every single day of our life, we have hundreds of opportunities to complain. But we want to call that up here today and we want to tell it to what? We want to call it up here and say what? Shut up! Right? We want to tell it to shut up. We want to call that voice out and tell it to shut up. The next one I want to deal with today, number five, is slander. These are just different words that are spoken of in Scripture that talk about us getting control over. Slander. What is slander? Well, it's false or malicious statements or report about someone. Slander. I mean, we do it when we pass on news that we don't know firsthand, right? We, you know, we, I, I heard it, <laughs> you know, five times removed. Or here's another good one. I read it on the internet. How many of you know you can trust everything you read on the internet? <laughs> right? Not. All right? Listen, here's the deal. If you were not in the room and didn't hear it firsthand, you don't know. Right? And when you start to repeat that, it becomes slander. Here's the deal. Check this out, 1 Corinthians 5.11. What, what does the Scripture have to say about slander? But now I'm writing, the, 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 the Apostle Paul writing to the church of Corinth says, but now I'm writing to you that, that you may not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother but is, who is sexually immoral or greedy, an adulterer or a what? Slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler with such a man do not even eat. Now notice, slander is stuck right in the middle of the sexually immoral and the drunkard and, and swindler. That's not the kind of company you want to be keeping, right? Right? So let's not be people who pass on other people's news, even if we think it's true. Let's not slander others. I mean, the church can be some of the worst at this. It's, it's, it's sad, but it happens. Let's not be Christians. Let's not be Christians who talk about other churches or pastors either. You'll never hear me talk badly or ugly about another pastor or church. I just don't do that. Why? I've never walked in their shoes, and I don't know if it's true, and I'm not going there. I, we try our best to protect, promote, and pray for other churches. That's why we do it every week. Amen? Let's not, let's not pass on bad news or slander other Christians, and let's not do that to other churches. Amen? Number six. Here's another, here's another one found in Scripture. This is not one we use now in our current language, but we do what it stands for. Tailbearing. Tailbearing. Um, of course, there's that, the, the description or the, the reference there. What does that mean? Revealing secrets or breaking confidence. I, I looked up the synonyms for tailbearing. <laughs> These aren't going to show up on the screen, but let me read them to you. Betrayer, a canary. <laughs> canary, an informant, a narc, a rat, a rat think, 
a snitch, a stool pigeon, a tattletale, or a whistleblower. <laughs> right? And the prop- proverb says something about it. Solomon speaking said, a talebearer reveals secrets. But he who is, a faith, who is of the faithful spirit conceals the matter, reveals secrets. We need people in the church of sound character. Amen? Sound character. I challenge you to build your life of sound character. Character, listen to this, character is having power and using it wisely. Character is having power and using it wisely. Because when you know something about someone, it gives you power. And many people will never really have power because you don't know how to use what you know. A tailbearer. Number seven. Number seven is blasphemy. Another word that's found in Scripture simply means to use God's name in vain in an unsacred or self-serving way. Blaspheme. It's the third of the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will hold anyone, not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Uh, now, you, you probably know it as using God's name in vain, right? You've probably heard that, you, not to use God's name in vain, not blasphemy, okay? But the word vain literally means vanity or self-serving, okay? And, and some people use, use his name inappropriately in speech, and some people try to swear by heaven by using his name to gain, you know, a strategy, that, you know, God spoke to me. (laughs) And they're constantly throwing around God's name, swearing by heaven, we call it. Yeah, so, so, you know, they'll say, well, God, God told me this, God told me that. And they use it as a manipulation tool. And I'm not saying that God doesn't speak, but if that's all, all you ever talk about, chances are you're inserting God wherever you want to get your way. And that's not, that's not healthy, Okay. So don't use God's name to manipulate or get your way with other people. Now, here's another one. Here's another one. Number eight. Number eight, filthy language. Now, filthy language covers all the other four-letter words. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, uh, Vicki and I have a camper up, um, up near the Dells, and we... Um, we are inserted right in the middle of um, a bunch of party animals, okay? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've heard them talk so much about Jesus lately. <laughs> yeah. Jesus! <clears throat> right? I've heard them say the word truck, but not truck. Um, you know, just about every sentence, right? And... Uh, it's, it's just been interesting because you know what it did? I was sitting there yesterday um, just thinking about today's message, and I, w- I was thinking, that used to be me. Vicki will tell you, I, I, you, as crazy as it sounds, you probably won't believe this, but I couldn't have a sentence or, or at least a paragraph go by without inserting the F-bomb. 
That used to be me in my bouncer days, back in the day. When I, you know, that's kind of hung with that crowd, and that's the way we talked. And I was just thinking yesterday, I thought, that, that was me. That was me. I can't look down my nose at them. Right? That's just, you know, they, they, obviously they need a heart transplant. <laughs> right? Right? Remember, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth what? Speaks. So, you, you know, we can try and control people's speech all we want, but really, really the issue is a heart issue. I talked about that last week. It's a heart issue. God, God doesn't want your right actions. He wants you to be right with him. Right? He wants your heart right. And so, I mean, this is not a heaven or hell thing, just so you know. You know, if you've dropped the F-bomb in the last 24 hours, it doesn't mean you're going to hell, just so you know, okay? Right? I mean, if that were the case, we'd all be in trouble. Not that we all drop F-bombs, but we all do certain things that aren't conducive to the Christian lifestyle, right? I mean, we do. We do things. We complain. We criticize. We find fault. We gossip. Whatever your issue is, we all have issues. You're not perfect. That's why Metro Believers Church is the what? The not-so-perfect church. It's not a heaven or hell thing, but why not let our words represent class? And why not, why not, as the psalmist said in the very beginning of my message today, let the what? Words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God. Why not? Why not do that? never forget the first time I did something where I normally dropped the F-bomb and something else came out of my mouth, I was a happy camper. I knew, I knew something had transpired inside of me. Transformation had occurred. Colossians 3.8, I'm almost done, just so you know. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, there it is again, and filthy language from your lips. Encouragement, the encouragement is to get rid of some of this stuff, to let God transform us. Number nine, contentious speech. Contentious speech. Contentious is to contend or always fighting. Hateful, hurtful, malicious, disagreeable, or argumentative. Does anyone know anyone like that? Hopefully that's not you. You know, you're just argumentative. You know, Proverbs 26, 21 says, as charcoal to embers and as wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. Some people just love to argue, love to fight. Have you ever met someone like that? You know, we can do that in our own marriage. You can just be bickering back and forth constantly, arguing, fighting, you know, being argumentative constantly, nitpicking over the le- littlest things. And before, Listen, in your marriage, you can win the battle but lose the war. You know, that little tit for a tad or, or, you know, nitpicking back and forth. You can win that one, but it, eventually it will erode the foundation of your marriage. And you don't want that. Number 10, negativity. Negativity, well, what's that? It's pessimism, disapproval, cynical, and skeptical. Speaking negatively creates unbelief in our heart and it kills our dreams. Remember the 10 spies, 12 spies went out, 10 came back with a bad report. The, 12, the two that came back with a good report entered the promised land. The 10 that came back with a negative, critical report didn't get to enter the promised land. They died in the wilderness. Negative people feel like they have to be the voice of reason, right? 
And so they constantly are being negative, negative, negative. Number 11, and I'm getting ready to finish up here real quick. Number 11 is criticism. The 11th voice that we're wanting to quiet is this whole thing about criticism. It's disparagement, it's condemnation, it's fault finding, it's disapproval. I'm talking about critical, nitpicking, uninformed, cruel criticism. We hate when others criticize us, but when we do it, we feel justified. I mean, they deserved it. They had it coming, all that kind of stuff. Paul said, writing to the the church of Ephesus, out of the Passion Translation again, and never let ugly or hateful words come out of your mouth, talking about the mouth again, but instead, let your words become what? I love this. I love this. Become what? Beautiful gifts. Are your words beautiful gifts that encourage others? Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. Wow. I love it. Do I need work in that area? Yes. How many of you would agree you need work in that area? Yes. All of us. We have no idea how much criticism can hurt someone's heart. Being critical, fault finding. See, some people are life takers. Others are life givers. Some people are are confident shrinkers, but let's us be confidence builders. Amen? Let me ask you a question as we close here. Which do you want to be? Do you want to be a fault finder? You know, if I was them, they don't chew right, walk right, talk right, look right, smell right, breathe right. (laughs) Fault finder? Or a hope dealer? Not a dope dealer. (laughs) A hope dealer. Do you want to be a fault finder or a hope dealer? Huh? Amen? Now let me give you this last verse, Romans 15, 13. Once again, out of the Passion Translation. Now may God the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you. Everyone say, fill me. Fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate. Wow, look at that. Until you radiate with what? Hope. You want to be a fault finder or a hope dealer? I want to be a hope dealer. Amen? My life, my life goal is to lift you higher, to build you up, to give you hope. At Metro Believers Church, we want to be hope dealers, not fault finders. Amen? I mean, we don't want to point out the speck in your eye when we have some logs in our own eyes to give a biblical perspective. So we need to learn how to silence these voices. I just listed three things there. I talked about them before. You can go back and listen to that tape if you didn't hear that. First of all, just speak what God speaks. Learn the word of God so that you can speak what God speaks, what he says about. Speak words of life, number two. Learn how to speak words of life, not death. Anyone can speak words of death. Amen? We need to We need to learn how to speak words of life, plant seeds of a beautiful gift, as the translation said. And last, 
We need to learn how to shut it up. Speak to the riot. Shut those things up in your life. Speak to your mountains. Whatever you're dealing with today, learn how to speak to your mountains. Learn how to call those, those voices, the riot that's going on in your head and your mind and your life and speak to them. Learn to speak to the riot. Use God's word. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Now, I know that, that the 11 things that I covered is something that we typically all deal with in some form or fashion. So my challenge to you today is to allow the Holy Spirit to do a fresh new work on the inside of us and to check us when we find ourselves doing that so that we can catch it and, and use God's word to shut it up and gain control. Self-control is one of the fruit of the Spirit, right? Gain, get back self-control so we're not just kind of letting it all hang, letting it all fly. Just whatever, whatever we think or feel just comes out. We just don't have any control over our life, not realizing that we're sowing seeds for our future. We're planting seeds for our future. God wants you to live a life abundantly. He wants you to live a life to the full. The enemy is the one that wants to destroy it. Let's bow our heads. Father, I, I know that personally, as I've walked through these things, I've felt checked and challenged in my own heart over some of these issues. And I, I, believe, I believe that it has resonated with many people here, those that are watching today. I believe that. These are things that we fall into without even realizing it, and they're just not healthy. They're not a way to live. So I'm praying, Lord, that you'd help each one of us. If you feel checked or challenged in any of these areas I've talked about and you want prayer, just slip up your hands. I want to pray for you. Thank you. God bless you. Thanks for your honesty. God bless you. Wow. All over. God, you see those hands, they, they represent hearts that are saying, I don't want to live like this. I don't want to continue. I know I'm not perfect, but I don't want to continue walking down that path without keeping them in check. So I pray, Father, that each one of us will build your word into our heart. So those things start to come out that aren't consistent with your word, that we would catch it. And we'd say, no, I don't want to live like that. I don't want to plant that seed. I don't want to, I don't want to put that in motion in my life. God, you've given us your word, and your word tells us about all these things of how to live a life full of godliness tells us, God, how to, how to get control of our mouth and our words and what our words produce, life and death. It's throughout the entire scriptures. From the beginning to the end, God, and so you're trying to tell us something. Hopefully, God, we're listening. So, God, I pray right now for each one of us that we would just let the Holy Spirit settle in on us right now 
and convict us of areas that need to change in our life. Thank you that you never condemn us, but, but you convict us. You show us areas of our life that need to change, and then you give us the power to do it. What a God. So, Lord, we just want to take a couple minutes and worship you.